You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Ingrid Ödegård, the VP of product at Indie Riot. Uh, we use Notion as well. And I think when you're moving this fast, then your, your goal is obviously to generate learning as quickly as possible. And then it becomes really important to document that learning and make it available to people who maybe aren't in that process specifically, but are also interested to learn. Hi there, and welcome again to the SAS Nordic podcast. We are always happy that you are joining us to listen to more insights from Nordic and international thought leaders here. And uh, today we're going to go more into the product side, talk about strategy, talk about how you can work tactically when you need to pivot and um, and change a little bit of your direction. But before we go into that, Daniel, what is happening in the SaaS Nordic community right now? Lots of good things happening. I don't even know where I should start. But uh, if you are a CEO or an executive, and when I say an executive, VP level or higher in a company that has 2 million of ARR or more, you can still apply to join our exclusive networks. And you will find this if you go to sasnordic.com and you go to community, you'll see there's a couple of different dropdowns there depending if you're a CEO or an executive. So still some time to sign up there. Uh, We have a fantastic lineup. It's a really strong team in in both of those segments. That is one thing. Uh, The other thing is we are still planning for Sassiest 2023. We have almost sold out all the booths. So if you're still looking to be a sponsor, now is probably some of the last weeks ahead here to schedule this. Uh, but we love all the contribution. If you also have some ideas for speakers and so on, please do let us know. We're right now creating the program and agenda as well. And what's the website? Sassiest2023.com. That's it. And I think that's enough of us promoting things in the community. So uh, let's go on and talk to Ingrid. We are really happy today to have Ingrid Ödegård here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. She is the VP of product at Indie Riot. So welcome, Ingrid. Hey, Thomas and Daniel. Great to be here finally. Yeah, really nice to have you here. And uh, we feel extra privileged today. I know you you just like like me, you have small children and they're sick all the time. And unfortunately, we also get sick. So I know you're muscling through this. You got your warm tea and coffee ready. <laughs> yes. So more power to you. Apologies for my, uh, my somewhat nasal voice. I think it just sounds cool. It's, it's distinct. Yeah. Everybody will know this is from now on. <laughs> yeah. And I remember back in the days when we started with SAS Nordic, we, we really wanted to get hold of you. You were sort of high on our wish list. And I think you were on maternity leave and you were really hard to reach. But now you've been a part of our network. You have uh, been, you spoke at the last uh, SASIS digital event and now you're in the podcast. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great to be back. And, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a rough few years with the second child coming in, a new startup yeah. and, uh, and uh, pandemic going on as well. Yeah. So, uh, so it's good to be back to normal. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you haven't uh, stumbled across Ingrid yet, so Ingrid, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah, sure. So I'm based in uh, Oslo, Norway. Um, and uh, before uh, joining Indie Riot this uh, March, I uh, was working with a video conferencing product called Whereby, um, which is another Norwegian startup um, that we started in 2013 inside Telenor, one of the biggest telcos in Norway. And uh, that's been a really fun and challenging journey of kind of spinning that out from Telenor, starting to grow it. We were born global, so managed to kind of push through on the vision of, of really building a much simpler to use video conferencing uh, tool. So we were ranked above Zoom, Google Meet and everyone on, on G2 from reviews. And uh, and uh, had a huge boom uh, during the pandemic as well. So I was leading the product and engineering teams there before I went on on maternity leave, and then um, decided that it was uh, a good time after eight years to leave the reins to someone else and the amazing yes. talented team that is now in place there. So then I joined Indie Riot, where we are now building out a uh, white label community platform that basically can bring control back to how companies and organizations communicate with their members and uh, customers or partners. Right. That's exciting. So tell us a little bit. I'm curious, you know, when you say a community platform. So obviously our entire business here at SAS Nordic <laughs> is built around a community, so to say, and maintaining and managing and fostering that community and providing value. When I think of a community platform, it's basically this forum where people can interact with each other. And I'm not saying that this is the best tool, but for whatever reason, don't ask me why. Long time ago, we decided that we're going to put our community, the base is Slack. What does Indie Riot actually do if I compare it with, not compare it, you know, feature by feature, but, but like, what does it do that a standard chat tool like Slack? doesn't do and how much is it <laughs> <laughs> so i think for uh, there are a lot of uh, community platforms out there actually and lots of different flavors as well so you have the chat based ones like uh, slack or discord and then you have more forum based ones like traditional forums uh, discourse mm -hmm. um, and i think what we want to build is a more content based uh, platform where the content can actually live over time and all the great content that is created by the community um, can also bring organic traffic, for example, from search and uh, be a tool to generate new leads um, that can get a taste of what it's like to be part of the community. So I think in Slack, uh, all the content lives in Slack. And that's great if you all the, all the users are already using Slack, like in, in the tech world we are. But um, what we're seeing for a lot of uh, our leads and, and customers is that they need to bring together people who are all part of different organizations and they have different emails and uh, really need a common place that everyone, regardless of age or profession, can use. So we're focusing on, on a purely web-based solution that is similar. It's almost like a private LinkedIn okay. and building on a user experience that people know and, and like from Facebook and Slack. Nice. No, uh, sorry, Facebook and, or LinkedIn. All right. So I'm a bit curious also into your background here. Was it always uh, evident that you will go into a product role or uh, how did you end up in that? Well, uh, that's a good question, actually. I discovered kind of product management by chance. I didn't actually know about it when I was early in my career. 
Um, and I started out in uh, media, in the biggest newspaper in, in Norway, working with business development and strategy. And because I was the young one, I got to work on all the digital projects and product development. So this is where I really discovered the kind of way of working cross-functionally with developers, designers, uh, editorial content people, and also kind of down to the logistics, pricing, customer support, all of those things. So I think I'm a pure generalist at heart. So that's what I've really developed into. Um, and I guess that's a core skill as well of a product manager is being able to understand all the different aspects of a business and trying to bring it all together um, in a strategy and operations that makes sense. I just, I, I just, I just want to say like your first gig sounds a lot more fun than my first gig where I was like every morning, here's a list of 80 people you need to call. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think you, then you got like a lot of first hand customer insight, which is something I'm always striving for. Yeah. It's like, I, uh, I don't, I don't think I have a record in no's, but I'm probably like, I feel the pain sometimes with young talents going through, uh, climbing the sales ladder. It, it's, it's, it's worth it in the long run, but it's difficult right there and then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think learning discipline yeah. and rigor in terms of processes to get results, I think is actually really useful to have early in your career. Definitely. M made me a much better person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how big is the team at Indriot at the moment? So we're just above uh, 20 now and uh, distributed across uh, Norway and uh, Poland uh, with a few international people traveling as well. So... Um, I'm taking a lot of the learnings that we had from whereby we were where we were a fully remote team um, into this now, because I think if if only one person is remote in your team, you need to basically set the team up yeah. so that everyone can be remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, everybody these days is, is trying to build a community. At least that, that's what we feel like you, you, you want to get hold of that audience and nurture them and have them close to you. So I, I guess your tool fits a lot of these, but is there anybody that you would consider like right now, these are a better match for us, like verticals or types of businesses? So we're still uh, early stage and, and explore, exploring quite broad where we see the best fit. Um, but I think that um, we see that there are customers that for various reasons um, are not able to use the, some of the kind of self-serve US-based startups in the market. So I think it's, um, we are trying to build an, a European alternative. Um, and and our, the core of our vision as well is kind of liberating people from the big tech giants. So I think it's really interesting how, how we in the Nordics can actually build these um, companies that uh, can be really strong alternatives for, for customers who need something different, um, whether it's for compliance or security or or just user experience. Um. Right. So, I mean, now you are in the beginning of a new journey. I mean, you had um, a quite long journey at, at Whereby, and we're going to talk about a few things in this episode, but we're going to talk about product strategy. And uh, I just want to start with asking you, what is product strategy? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time on that in the last couple of months. Uh, when uh, And even when I was on maternity leave, I was uh, doing strolls, uh, listening to podcasts, trying to understand what is product strategy. So I think a few of the notes that I took down is that most companies have a mission statement and a vision that often comes from the founders. Um, but they are quite high level and they don't really say anything about how are we going to deliver 
on the mission or how are we going to get there? So I think that is the role of the product strategy, answering the question of how can we realistically get to uh, our vision? So I think there are a few components of that. I think the product strategy should uh, keep the company or keep the team really focused on the customers. How will our product improve the lives and deliver value to customers? Should be like a guiding North Star uh, in terms of making decisions and having a common understanding of what we are trying to accomplishing uh, together. And also inspiring to create an extraordinary product and, uh, and for employees. Uh, make them see meaning and why the work they do is uh, is meaningful and have impact. Yeah, but I think it also needs to incorporate this uh, this understanding of the market um, and maybe how can we leverage industry trends, technologies that are can help us solve problems in new ways that weren't possible before, and and innovation coming from this. That that makes a lot of sense to me, even me being a sales guy. But I think also what I'd like to ask you: so in the product strategy. Do you also need to think about how this product is going to be delivered? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where product and sales need to work together or marketing uh, on having a go-to-market plan because that can also be a really strong differentiator in the market. Right. That sets you apart. Um, it's something investors look for. And um, it's a crucial part of getting to your goals, actually. Mm, right. And uh, that was a little bit of a leading question, I think. And I can only speak about my own experience right now. But like, I felt that from, from my side, always representing the commercial side, there was always a gap. Like, you know, there's this grand vision that evolves in a product and so on. But then it's up to the marketing and the sales team to figure how we bring this to market. That doesn't maybe align with how the product was built and structured and scaled and so on. And, and there was always a little bit of a glitch and gap there because it might be that sales and marketing have a grand idea that doesn't support the, the, the inner thoughts of the product team and will cause some friction down the road. That's why I was asking, like, how do you actually handle that? Yeah, absolutely. And to align kind of product and marketing has been one of the hardest things that we're by. Yeah. I think we haven't kind of succeeded with it until recently. Um, but but uh, like I think you need to be aligned on should we be kind of have go for product led growth or product led sales or be purely sales led, um, and the product needs to support that. And I think there's been a lot more focus on this now with growth era emerging as an area that kind of combines these two mm. and uh, and also bringing a more data driven approach, where you actually yeah. both product and marketing are evaluated on the numbers and and converting all the way through the funnel, not just bringing in leads. So I love that you said that, and may maybe you can help uh, answer this magical question for me. It's a little bit the hen and uh, <laughs> uh, the egg type of exercise. So do you first decide for our business is going to be run a PLG motion, and then let's build a product that suits this? Or do you first build the product <laughs> and then say like, well, based on what we build, it needs to be PLG? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm not sure there is an answer because I think for a lot of startups, it's it's a little bit random how you start, uh, whether it's the vision of the founders, if they are product people and start building first or if they're more um, more sales driven. Um, and I think the important thing is that you may be, so some of the questions that I have coming back to the product strategy that are really good to work through is understanding kind of where in the market will we play? What customers will we go after? How are they buying? And how will we win 
in the market? Like what are the alternatives for them and how do we need to kind of position in that buying process to even have a chance of being considered? Yeah. And then coming over to the product, like to go after these customers, like what does the product need to look like? What are the problems we're actually solving for them? What capabilities do we have and need to have in place both in the product, but also in the team? Um, and that includes, I guess, sales, marketing and support uh, to, to take on these customers. So, so a question on product strategy, I think uh, many companies, they go through an exercise where sort of they divide you into groups and everyone should, you know, be a part of um, maybe putting together this new product strategy. And then you document it and you have it in place. So how do you keep this alive? How do you keep this as this North Star that you talked about? So it's not just a piece of paper on the, on the team server. Yeah, I think there are lots of different ways of doing this and every organization kind of is unique. Uh, I will say, I think it's very hard to run a process of developing the product strategy involving everyone. Okay. Just because I think it, it requires a very deep understanding of the market and of the customers, of the product. And I'm not sure everyone will be able to get to the needed level to really um, reach the right conclusions, if you will. So I, I think at least my experience has been working with a smaller group yeah. to develop it is uh, more efficient than is likely to give a, a better outcome. But when it comes to communicating it and living it and kind of implementing it, you definitely need to kind of make a plan and ensure that it's reflected in all the processes and goals that you're setting. And who should be involved and then who should own this in the company, would you say? I think product or my role, the CPO or the VPO product, obviously should own the product strategy, but I think it really needs to be anchored as well with the rest of the management team. Obviously sales, we talked about, I think engineering is crucial as well. And they can actually bring a lot to the table in terms of ideas for innovations that could be part of it um, and how you should set up to um, be able to reach the goals that you want with the product. Okay. Also, people who have market customer insight could be included. So whether that's salespeople or CS um, or even support. Exactly. And But uh, if we go a little bit more tactical, so uh, you have this in place, you have a product, and then you find that something is off. You didn't end up in the exact right place where you thought you would be. So how how can you approach it uh, if you come into a, a such a situation? So I think the first thing to be aware of is understanding what's most important for your company right now, where you are. And that can be lots of different things depending on the situation of your company, uh, who your investors are, what's your runway, what's your burn rate. Um, could be that it's more important for you to focus on cash flow and uh, optimizing uh, landing some deals in the short term rather than initiating a big uh, project around fixing the product, which often takes longer time. So I think um, aligning on your stakeholders with this board, the investors, etc., um, and having some clear uh, goals around what their expectations are is, uh, is really important before you start kind of making plans and fixing things. If you do uh, want to start, if you if the realization is, okay, we actually need to change our product, I think then you also need to understand where is the problem and what the, and diagnose it in a way. Is it around positioning in the market? Uh, are you going after the wrong customers? Is your pricing model wrong? 
Or is it that the features in the product are wrong? You're lacking crucial features. Competition is racing ahead. Um, then that may require a plan for building that out or changing your plan for how to disrupt the market in some way. Or it could even be technical. And I think for a lot of startups, you're maybe you started building something, you didn't really know what you were building and you have lots of legacy code that is holding you back in terms of uh, shipping things that customers are now requiring. Yeah. But isn't there a risk that you, you, know, you do a lot of small things in order to, to handle the, the current situation so you end, end up you know, with, with a mess? Yeah. More or less. And that's, uh, sometimes it can be necessary. <laughs> Uh, like I think at Whereby we we had to change we changed the pricing quite frequently actually, um, and we were also testing out new plans. We were changing the features that were included in plans because we saw we needed to drive more upgrades um, to the business plan, for example. But instead of uh, when we had to remove a feature from the pro, pro plan, instead of removing it for all the existing customers, we would just like let them keep it and make a new plan that new customers signing up would go into. And then we didn't risk churning all of these or pissing off all of these interesting <laughs> loyal customers. Yeah. And I think uh, probably some of them are still on this plan to this date, which obviously introduced tech and product depth, right? Because we had to maintain this feature for this one plan in the code. Um, but sometimes you have to do things like this just to keep uh, churn down and revenue up if, if that's important. Three ways to fail in sales, brought to you by memory. One, clog your pipeline. The fuller it is, the fuller you'll feel. Tip two, never use a plan. Predictability, eh, it's just boring. Three, forget the CRM, probably sucks anyway. If you're ready to take control of your sales and make how you sell your competitive advantage, try Membrane for free today at Membrane.com. So I have a question here because I get it that, you know, from a cash flow perspective, like you said, and a sales perspective, you can catch where there's a misalignment with the market. If you're sales, they will tell you, love your product. It's too expensive. I can buy it cheaper somewhere else, or I'm missing a feature or whatever it is like in this plan. And so, so you can catch some of these things and, and the CFO will tell you like, okay, we need to do something because cash flow wise is not good. We need to sell more. But are there mechanics from a product perspective that you need to put in place that are beyond these ones I mentioned to capture some early signs that we're a little bit off on the product? And I'm just shooting from the hip here. Like, do you measure like deployment of new features or usage of new feature or whatever that is? Yeah. So obviously we um, use product analytics data um, to measure every kind of adoption of all the features and uh, also the overall health of, of the product and if users are being active, retention, and so on. And there are great tools out there for that. I've been using Amplitude, uh, which is great. But um, I think the important thing is also that the teams who are working on this have access to that and they can see these things early on and maybe take action on their own and come up with ideas for how to fix it. Um, but then also like we have um, a weekly sync now with our customer success team right. where they are actually summarizing all of the feedback from the customers. And these are kind of larger customers that have personal meetings with the CS team 
And they are summarizing that so that we prioritize a lot of the things that we fix on the product side based on that and have a quite quick cadence on that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So I have another question for you, which you tell me if it makes sense or not. But in my world, it should be a de facto standard. So is there a goal or I call it an ambition when you release a new product or new subset of features? Do you put a goal on the product team that for this to be considered successful, we need to have seen X amount of deployments in three months or X amount of usage in X months and so on? Is that a thing? Yeah, definitely. And I think the best practice is even that the team come up with this themselves, come up with hypotheses. Yeah. Um, so I um, like to work with my teams so that uh, the teams are very empowered themselves and also working cross-functional with designers and developers being part from early on, on defining, understanding the customer problem, coming up with ideas for how to solve it, because there could be lots of different ways of solving it. Mm -hmm. Then picking one, um, prototyping that, trying to get it out in customers' hands as quickly as possible, and then starting to measure data, talking to the customers, does it work as you intended? Is it solving your problem? And maybe if the answer is no, maybe they have to do another iteration. Um, to get to the results they want. And as part of that, also making hypotheses around the leading and lagging indicators. Yep. So maybe a leading indicator will be, okay, we're increasing conversion through the signup flow by adding this button or tutorial or something. And uh, the lagging indicator is that uh, our revenue is growing All right. or, or something like that. But um, yeah, you have mentioned that sometimes you need to be tactical and you need to react to the market and move fast, adapt and so on. So, but how do you manage the different people in your organization that might have, you know, different when it comes to be open for these kind of uh, activities? Yeah, people is always the challenge, <laughs> especially when you're in a um, diverse team with people from different cultures, different experiences, which I actually think is great but trying to build processes where people can bring their ideas and um, you have a low threshold for testing things and that you let the customer feedback drive and data drive decisions, not the individuals, people's objects so, uh, or, or opinions. So I think also even with people higher up uh, who can have ideas sometimes, it's uh, easier to say no to that if you have some data to show rather than uh, just because you think it's a bad idea. So trying to get into this place where you're set up to deploy things really fast, release often, make changes and iterate really quickly and then measure um, is, uh, I think, the best way to uh, learn fast and let everyone bring ideas, but, uh, but really invest in going after the ones that uh, show early signs of, of being good ideas. Okay, so that's a good way to get rid of the, the politics and the own opinions to bring in the customer, bring in the data and, you know, work from that. Yes. It does take some diplomacy always, though. Yeah. <laughs> to explain and I think giving context to people. And that's actually a really big part of my job uh, is just talking to people and explaining why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? Um, why couldn't we do this uh, right now? What are the priorities coming now? So in my team meetings, I've to even remind myself to do this every week, I've introduced a, a top agenda point that's just context from Ingrid. Okay. <laughs> so I have to think through like what happened in the last week, what did we discuss in the management meeting that my team needs to know, 
and uh, and because then I'm putting them in a position to make good micro decisions. Okay, yeah. So you have mentioned some tools. Uh, you, you mentioned the amplitude here and so on. But is there any other tools or processes that uh, that you would like to highlight? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, point actually on this. Uh, we use Notion as well. And I think when you're moving this fast, then your your goal is obviously to generate learning as quickly as possible. And then it becomes really important to document that learning and make it available to people who maybe aren't in that process specifically, but are also interested to learn. Um, so I've created this kind of product directory where we document all the products and write down the problem, the hypotheses, the outcomes on the metrics. Uh, we link different iterations with screenshots. What did it look like? What was the conclusions? Why did we end up doing this in iteration two? So a new person coming into the team, for example, in two months will be able to go back and understand why a feature evolved in the way that it did. That, that sounds actually... I haven't heard so much about that, that you basically could go and, and read the history of a feature, you know, how it has evolved and why you did certain decisions. I think uh, that's a really good approach because uh, often you go in and, and you think, yeah, you don't get that context. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. And I think especially if you're when you're starting to scale, and we saw this with Whereby, we scaled from, I think, 40 to 100, over 100 people in six months. And... When you then, as a leader, you're in the middle of this, you have to interview, you have to onboard, you have to run your team at the same time. You don't have time to start writing down the product principles and the product strategy. So if you don't have it in place already, then uh, then you're going to have a really hard time to get all those new people up to speed quickly. Whereas now I'm just writing down things all the time in Notion and it's all there. So anyone can join tomorrow and they'll be able to get by themselves, build up a really good understanding of how the product has evolved and our goals and everything. All right. And is this a difficult thing to get the team to do? Is that like, does it come natural to these engineers to do? Uh, well, I think for some, for some, not so much. Um, so I, I really think it's something that you have to push a little bit. And like I create templates, uh, I'm like pushing them uh, to fill it in. And I'm also bringing it up in all the meetings and furiously taking notes in meetings as well. Uh, and I think it's this async way of communicating is actually really important to succeed with a remote team as well, and especially when you're working really fast. So if, if there is a few things that you hope that the listeners uh, take with them uh, from what we've talked about so far, what, what would you like to highlight here? So I hope that they have gotten a better understanding of... Um, why it's a good idea to have a product strategy in place. Uh, and I think just starting with writing down your thoughts and then adding a few questions to that. Where will we play? How will we win? What does the industry look like? And uh, what can make our company relevant in five years from now based on how the market is looking? And, and taking that um, perspective and adding that to your company's vision, I think can be a lot make it a lot easier to develop a great product. Also hope that they've gotten some ideas around um, how to work in a product engineering team um, in a more structured way and, and communicate better. Yeah, yeah, that's great. How about this? Uh, sometimes you might have a gamble, a bet. Like, you don't really know, it's a hunch. I don't know if engineers work with hunches, in sales we do. <laughs> like, how, how do you take that on or you don't take that on if you don't have the data to support it? 
So I think for one, being clear that it's a bet and treating it, treating it as such and making a conscious decision that, okay, we're going to spend some time on this. We don't know if it's going to play out, but that's okay. Uh, we think it's worth investing. We're going to let these three people um, spend a day a week or two days a week uh, on it, or we time box it and say, spend a week on this, come back and present on Friday what you found um, as a way of kind of reducing the risk mm -hmm. of it, but still maybe giving you some data that can tell you whether it's a good idea to keep investing more in it. And uh, I think this is actually something that has a lot of potential for product organizations to um, explore things without having to go all in and completely change your product strategy before you know if it's uh, actually something that is valid. Got it. So uh, looking forward here, what, what is uh, in the future for your companies? What's the challenges and opportunities ahead? So I think for Indie Riot, uh, we're in a really exciting phase now. We're onboarding some pilot customers. So we're really putting ourselves in uh, being customer driven. And uh, so uh, we'd love uh, even more pilot customers to come in. So if anyone has uh, challenges around managing their ecosystem or community with different players, uh, we'd love to talk about that. Um, I think also for Whereby, they're about to launch some really interesting uh, things that can help people handle the hybrid uh, workday, where you have some people in a meeting room that should all be in the call and some people remotely. So I hope people would like to test that out and keep an eye out for the announcement coming soon. Yeah. And are you looking for anything in particular to support your own journey here and indie rides journey? Like is, if, if any one of us would be a magical genie, like what's that one wish we could grant you? <laughs> Unlimited funding? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, bye-bye. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think uh, working both with kind of having customers who uh, are interested in understanding what we're trying to do and, uh, and also investors. I think we're looking uh, to do another fundraise in the spring. Uh, so uh, I think that will be uh, really cool to talk to people who are interested in, in this space and uh, would like to be part of the journey. And um, who would you like to be a part of an upcoming show here at SAS Nordic? Do, do you have anyone that you think we should talk to? I do actually. I have a great friend of mine called uh, Fatima Sani. Uh, she's also here in Oslo and she's uh, the CEO of uh, X.AI, which is a SaaS plat platform to help decarbonize uh, investment decisions. Okay. So we met uh, when she had just moved to Norway and was working at Google. And uh, we also played volleyball together. And uh, she's an amazing leader and has lots of international experience and, uh, and uh, really a mindset of thinking big. Who was better at volleyball? She was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Amazing, Ingrid. It was great having you on the show here. Thanks for, for coming on and, and sharing all these insights. And if you want to hear more from Ingrid, there's a couple of recordings from... Uh, your presentation at Sassiest Digital. And Thomas, where did they find that? They can find that at uh, sassiest.tv, actually. There you go. Thanks a lot, Ingrid. It was great having you here. Bye now. Great chatting. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, Daniel, what are your main takeaways from the episode today? Yeah, and actually, episodes like this uh, that are far away from my normal you know, comfort zone on the sales and marketing commercial side, I always learn a lot, but uh, there were certain things that, that I could recognize and appreciated how she also said that also in product, you don't make decisions based on hunch. Like when you discuss the vision, your next moves and so on, try to use 
customer data, customer feedback, try to use product insight data to drive your decision-making, to make a case for the next move, instead of just running on a hunch or the CEO maybe has a grand idea. If the data doesn't support it, then it might not be a great idea. And I get it, data is not always at hand and so on, but it's a good foundation to, to place some of these bets on external data as well as internal data. Good stuff. Yeah, you'd be surprised, huh? I was listening throughout the session. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Well, I'm gonna be very practical here because sometimes, you know, there are just these small things that can um, yeah, improve your processes and improve how you collaborate. And I really like what you said about documenting the features and the history of the features. So you can go in and you, you can, you know, understand why you have made different decisions through through the years. And I think that that's a really good way of, um, of you know, spreading the knowledge and get people up to date um, that joins your product team. So, yeah. Sounds about right. And as we said here in the beginning, lots of stuff happening. Do you want to round it off and, and tell people what they should spend most energy and time on right now? Yeah, I think you should mark April 18th and 19th in your calendar. That will be the holy days. It's a couple of weeks after Eastern, but I think that will be a, a big no holiday for a celebration for, for a lot of us uh, when we gather the SaaS community in Malmö, Sweden for two, three days. Uh, we're going to make sure that we have a really good uh, content program in place and, and also that we have a lot of opportunities to network, to have a party in the evening and so on so we can spend some time together. And um, yeah, and of course, I'm talking about SaaSiest 2023. So don't miss it. You heard what we said before. You find it at sassiest2023.com. And if you are a CEO or maybe you are a, a VP at uh, a company, you can apply for the CEO and the executive network. And where do you go to do that, Daniel? You go to sasnordic.com and if you see in one of the, the tabs, there's something called community. If you click on that, there's a drop-down menu that's going to guide you to the right network that you should belong to. So just follow the instructions once you get there and there's a little bit form you need to fill out and then we will reach out to you again. Yeah, and if you work in an operational role at the SaaS company, you are welcome also to join the big Slack community. It's for everyone here in the Nordics and Baltics. So looking forward to see you there as well. And besides that, if you have any ideas when it comes to speakers or topics and so on, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn or at the contact at sasnodic.com. We appreciate all suggestions and we hope that you have a great rest of the week and we see you soon again. Take care now.